this yesterday in the USA Today. Forty-three <clears throat> percent of employees say that acting interested in their boss's dumb story is at least moderately important in being promoted. Only forty-three percent think they should pretend to be interested in their boss's dumb story. You're crazy. Come on now. Where is one of you guys saying that's interesting, Jack? Come on! Are you paying attention to the show? Oh, that was a comedic opening the size of the Grand Canyon. Seriously, are you telling me nearly 60% of people think it's okay to pretend they're bored by their boss's story? It's sincerely added. Okay. Yeah. I just slowly back out of the room, hope he doesn't notice. Good luck never moving up the ladder. So, a couple of things coming up this hour. We'll uh, do clips of the week toward the end of the hour because we have a couple of special guests, including a woman who was probably going to become a victim of the uh, rapist killer who was recently apprehended uh, back in the day. But right now we turn to Abbas Milani, who's a research fellow and co-director of the Iran Democracy Project at the Hoover Institution, among other uh, notable titles. Uh, Abbas, how are you, sir? Thank you very much. May we call you, Abbas? I'm interested in your jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So, hey, we appreciate your time, first of all. Uh, We wanted to have you on today partly to remind folks who hear about the Iran nuclear deal and arguing over it, should we stay, should we go, just to remind us what it is. Well, the deal is actually not a U.S. deal alone. So President Trump can't dismantle the deal even if he wants to. It is a deal between five plus one. The five members of the national uh, the UN Security Council, plus Germany, uh, on one hand, and Iran on the other. It was negotiated during the Obama administration. It calls for serious reduction of the amount of uh, uranium Iran can hold. Iran uh, has shipped out already about 98% of all its. Uh, enrich uranium. As I'm sure everybody knows, in order to make a nuclear bomb, you need highly enriched uranium. Iran had a lot of low enriched uranium uh, at uh, 3.5%, some at 20%. They were required to shut everything out. They were required to reduce the number of centrifuges they had from about 18,000 to 5,000, working about 5,000. And they were required to put in uh, arguably the most rigorous system of inspection by the IAEA, the international organization, to ensure that they don't cheat. Uh, And yet, as a reward, most of the sanctions that were uh, imposed on Iran by the UN, again, it's very important, the sanctions were both US and UN. The UN sanctions were mostly lifted. that's the gist of the agreement. It is not, in my view, and I'm glad Mr. Mattis said it yesterday as well, it is not the dumbest deal in the world, as the president has often said. It is a flawed deal, but it was the best deal that the U.S. and the international community could get at that time. So opinion. so you laid out the things they were supposed to do. Do we believe they did them all? Are we, are we doing the inspections? Do we, do we actually believe they shipped out the uranium? They certainly have shipped out the uranium. Uh, IAEA is the inspecting body, the international organization, atomic organization. They are uh, required to regularly report uh, whether Iran is complying. Now, uh, if Iran has held some back, 
Nobody knows. Um, it is possible. I certainly don't know. But if IEA is the most respected, the most authoritative agency, they have said that they have shipped them out. Uh, they, they say they have shipped them out. There is no indication that the other centrifuges that they had uh, mothballed have been brought back into uh, action. I, I don't even think the Trump administration believes that Iran hasn't um, shipped it out. I think what the Trump administration is most critical of is that in the initial deal, uh, the issue of ballistic, ballistic missiles, the issue of Iran's role in places like Syria and Lebanon and Yemen and Iraq and possibly Afghanistan were not included. Uh, they think, uh, and I, I think that is the flaw of that agreement. I think the flaw of that agreement is that it did, did leave some issues out, these two being two of them, as well as the issue of human rights. But having accepted that there are flaws. Um, I think the way to fix it is not to walk away from it, but to uh, bring everyone around to make a more comprehensive uh, agreement. Abbas Milani is a research fellow, co-director of the Iran Democracy Project project at the Hoover Institution. Just a, a little pivot to Iran more generally. Um, I've heard and read from various sources that the spreading of the anti-government demonstrations or the expressions of dissatisfaction, the fact that it spread from Tehran to many, many cities, even if the numbers aren't huge, is really significant. How secure is the regime at this point? I think the regime is not secure at this moment at all. Uh, and the demonstrations that you uh, rightly pointed to that spread to almost 100 cities uh, is very much an indication of their vulnerability, particularly because these were often small cities, these were often small cities known for their religious piety. The demonstrations were generally uh, by the poor, unemployed, uh, and these were historically, the regime assumed, their social base. So their social base is profoundly disgruntled, and it's disgruntled for a very, very serious reason. The Iranian economy is in virtual shambles. The financial system is about to collapse, to give your listeners a sense of uh, the calamity, the value of Iranian currency has been reduced by at least 40%. In other words, if three months ago you had $1 and you went to Iran, you would get about 3,000 Persian tuman. Today, uh, if you get a visa and go in, you will get about... Uh, close to 6,000. 5,000. In the space of a few months, wow. that would be shocking. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's unsustainable, obviously. Right, clearly. Well, we're keeping an eye on it. A freedom for the Iranian people is something I've been wishing for for many, many years, and you know, I'd love to see it happen. Uh, Abbas Milani, research fellow at the Hoover Institution. Is there any chance, because we've been talking about the Berlin Wall... Uh, how quickly nobody saw that coming, how quickly that came down. And maybe we're having that moment in North Korea where nobody saw this sort of thing coming a month ago. And here he is and you're walking across the line. Is that sort of thing possible in Iran where all of a sudden it just it all falls apart? Well, you know, they asked Hemingway how he went broke. He said first gradually and then suddenly. <laughs> That's the way all authoritarian right. regimes fall. First gradually and then suddenly when they fall, you say, 
this was more vulnerable. They were more vulnerable than uh, it assumed. My sense has been for several years that the Iranian regime is not sustainable in its current status quo. Well, yeah, you just level of disgruntlement. Yeah, look at the Shah's regime right there in the neighborhood. You know, if you want to go back that far. Really interesting. Well, I I hope we can stay in touch as uh, events continue to develop. It would be a pleasure. All right. Thank you very much, Abbas Milani of the Hoover Institution. That's one of my favorite sayings that you can apply to bankruptcy or a lot of different things. Yeah. It happened gradually, then suddenly, because that's, that's the way a lot of things work. And yeah, well, and, and you know what? The, the bankruptcy of the United States is going to happen the same yep, way. Absolutely. And, and I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I'm not on a <laughs> nice Friday yelling at you about it, but by God, that day is coming. I, I'm, I, I wish and, I could remember who said this. I think it was Kotkin, the guy that's writing about Stalin a lot right now. But anyway, he talked about how all these predictions of, of, of various countries falling, nobody ever gets these right. So I don't know why we engage in it. I'm not anti-smart people thinking about this, but nobody saw the Berlin Wall and the Soviet Union coming down the way it did. It just wasn't predicted by the smartest people who spent their whole lives studying it. Right. And the same thing will be true with North Korea and Iran. It's just, it's happened gradually, then suddenly. And one day you'll wake up and it'll be over. I don't know when it'll be, but that's just the way it works. I'm sorry, I can't hear about the Berlin Wall falling without thinking that it was a year and a half prior to that that I completed a gigantic senior project on the communist regimes of Eastern Europe. <laughs> And the ink was hardly dry when they ceased to exist. My expertise was not really. It's like doing an imitation of, you know, Richard Nixon at this point. Nobody wants to hear it. (laughs) Might be the best one in the world. Nobody's laughing. And I never hear about the Berlin Wall and don't think about my uh, buddy in college who was there when it happened just accidentally. And got to be part of the party and had a giant covered his entire wall chunk of the Berlin Wall in his apartment in college. How did he get it home? On the plane somehow. What? I mean, it's a giant piece of concrete I that it if, took two people to lift. I wonder if there was just so much joy they said, yeah, go ahead. I don't know. And it was painted um, green. It was the color the wall was with some graffiti on it. Right. And he was sitting up on the wall, drinking, hammering with a hammer. All those people, if you ever saw those videos. I, I will mean, never do anything <laughs> as cool as I that. know. Yeah. I know. It was one of the... The I was at the best party ever. I can lord it over you, sort of things. Yeah, <laughs> chicks dug wow. it too. Yeah, the Sex Pistols holiday in, holidays in the sun would be perfect right now, Michael. But we don't have time to get it because we have a guest coming up in a moment or two who came face to face with the East Area rapist and could well have been one of his victims before. Well, in the midst of the killings and the rapings and that sort of thing, her story is amazing. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's scary. Um, uh, Clips of the week. We will get to that at some point. I hope you can stay here. Can you be kicked out of a bar for wearing a MAGA hat? Well, a judge has ruled that you can. A little more on should you uh, pretend to be interested in your boss's boring stories. I think the answer is clearly yes, but go on. most people disagree with me. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Conscience. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It was reported that disgraced CBS anchor Charlie Rose is developing a show where he'll interview other men brought down by the Me Too movement. Which brings us to a new segment called Just No. 
<laughs> no! Just no! This has been just now. <laughs> you know, that's good. That's really good. That was my reaction, too. Hmm. What? No! <laughs> they could be pretty interesting. Yeah, oh, I guarantee you that. It's just... We got uh, clips of the week coming up a little bit later. M- mentioned earlier in the show. So now the 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 what do how what do we want to call this horrifying killer? I do not, I am not going to let come out of my lips his cool nicknames. No, I I agree with you. I don't but like that. You need to know who I'm talking about. Right, exactly. All right, scumbag killer was in California. Nah, I <laughs> the rapist murderer got arrested. Anyway, so a bunch of different shows I've been watching. They have a picture of him at the time, various stages through his age, and the and the drawing that the police had out there at the time. And they're so good. They're yeah. so accurate. Yeah, shockingly well, so. It turns out one might have been a victim, saw some pictures, and had a reaction also. Yeah, indeed. And we welcome B.J. Masterson to the show. B.J. Uh, lived in the Sacramento area at the time the crimes, the, the rapes were being committed, and uh, believe she may have interacted with the uh, the monster. B.J., hi, how are you? Hi, fine, thank you. So when did it dawn on you, how did it dawn on you that you might have uh, interacted with this guy? Well, it goes back to 1978. Um, <clears throat> I was home alone, and a guy showed up at my door. I lived in an apartment with my mom and sister at the time. A guy showed up at my door randomly and said, uh, how much was I selling my car for? And I said, I'm not selling it. There was no sign. How did he know it was my car? You know, it's a parking lot full of cars, and I couldn't get rid of him. He kept, in, you know, inquiring about the car, and I remember staring at his face because he had cracker crumbs on his lips. So I was very intent on his face. I tried to get rid of him. I thought, this guy's a creep. So later on that day, I told my sister when she came home, she told my mom when she got home from work, my mom called the police, and Officer Rose, to this day, I still remember his name, came out to my house. And I was kind of giggly, silly about it, like, uh, you know, kind of embarrassed. And he had me go look for things in the house. He didn't tell me specifically what to look for, but things missing. And we found my undergarments, some of my undergarments were missing. And some of my pictures were ripped out of the photo album. And so at the same time, the woolly rapist was going around. And so Officer Rose said, this could be the East Side rapist. And so... It left me scared for years, and I, you know, it, I could go on and on and on, but I want to make it short. I was really scared for years. Well, uh, and, let me jump in just real quickly because yeah. one of his mo's allegedly was that sometimes he would break into a, a place in advance and set up right. the crime yeah. so he could be more efficient. Um, right, and and so you believe that's what happened. I, you know, I believe, yeah, because I mean, who who would have ripped the photos out of the right. album? Of right, me? Who that's bizarre. Taken- undergarments and so for years it haunted me and then I met married my husband and he knew about it because I had really hard time with sleepwalking and you know just night terror type things and then um the composite came out you know they have the the multiple composites and for years I've told them they've got it the guy I saw had heavier eyes he was a little more stocky and I said, the guy with the square jaw, that's the one that looks like the guy that came to the door, only had longer hair. The area between the nose and the lips, the reason why I focused on that was those cracker crumbs on his lips. Mm. And so, you know, for years, 
you know, I kind of just put it aside. I didn't want it scaring me anymore. And then we watched that special. I had doubts about watching it. I was afraid to bring back memories. And I kept telling my husband, that's the photo. That, that composite looks like the guy that came to my door, long hair, kind of long, blonde, wavy hair. So, he, was in, he was like blue jean shorts. Still remember him. So and, when, when the arrest was made and the various photos of this guy through his life came out, what happened? The one this morning on Good Morning America where he's middle-aged, he has shorter hair. Of course, when he, this guy came to my door, he had longer hair. Right. He had shorter hair in the picture. I looked at that face, and I told my husband, that's him. I still paused it, made him run out there, look at it. I said, that's him. I have no doubts now. I started shaking really bad. And I talked to my husband. I said, what do I do? And he says, well, you don't want to tie up the system. You don't want to. And I just got super emotional. I said, that's him. That's no, him. I know no. the face. And I didn't know what to do, so I called you guys because he always listens to you. And I thought, I'll call them, and maybe they can advise me, you know, what to do. Well, any advice from us is highly suspect on virtually any topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, gosh, I don't know. I do think you, letting it out and talking about it is probably a good thing and knowing that he will never bother you nor anyone else for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah, I would um, suggest EMDR, but that's, you know, a different topic. Um, yeah. So do you do you have any reason why you think if that was the guy, why he never came back and did anything awful? Is it you have any the only guesses? Thing, the only thing I can think of is that Officer Rose was called out to the house. Maybe right. that maybe you, for whatever reason, picked up on his evilness. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Although My you know, did. I didn't. Yeah. I, I had it v- v- verified the story that at one community meeting, a guy got up and he said, "This guy won't rape anybody with a husband at home." At least we know that. And the rapist was at that meeting and followed them home. And days later, went and committed rape of this guy's wife while he was at home and tied him up. So. Wow. He obviously had a need to defy and and show power and the rest of it. Thank God he didn't come back. He to your showed place. up to the town meeting. Yeah, wow, absolutely. Well, that that's one of the things that uh, Carol, the investigator who we talked to earlier in the morning, was talking about. That he stayed very, very up to date on all the developments in the case and what people mm-hmm. were saying and thinking and the rest of it. Uh, BJ, I'm afraid we're we're down to about thirty seconds. Um, okay. But listen, I uh, think the police might want to know just as they're trying to figure out where he was, when and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, it's entirely possible. You could certainly drop an email to the sheriff's department. And they'd, they'd like to hear from you. They have so much DNA evidence and, and everything at this point um, right. that I think the prosecution's probably fine, but it couldn't hurt to reach out. So, hey, we thank you okay. uh, very much for Thanks. calling in, though. It's good to talk to you. Okay. All right. Good to meet you. Marshall's, wow. Marshall ran out of the room. Is he coming back? I've been expecting him to do that for years. He's think, finally gone. I think Marshall may have quit. His tipping point. I oh, can't reach one more day with these idiots. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Got 10 All right, seconds. we've got Trump cheering on Korean uh, reconciliation in Congress, ready to rein in travelers' fake service animals. Coming up oh, news from finally. Now, Armstrong uh, finally. and Getty. And we'll get to Clips of the Week. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. That lady's story about instantly recognizing the dude when she saw pictures of him on TV this week, um, 
Remember my story of uh, the guy that assaulted my family? <clears throat> they were going to bring out a bunch of photos to try to identify the guy, and I was a little concerned because I just kind of had a vague picture of him right. in my mind. Right, yeah. <clears throat> I don't even think I could have helped cops sketch the guy, just very vaguely. Then when they're flipping through pictures, you know, if you see the guy, let us know. And I thought, maybe that guy, maybe that guy, that's the guy. I mean, it's just 100%, without a doubt, physical reaction when you see the guy. Your Mm. brain does that for you. Your brain recognizes something that was scary and and, and puts that in the remember this forever file. Right. Same reason I can't drink rum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, an unfortunate memory. Wow. Rum. Demon rum. It'd be the same sort of thing, right? It'd be your body remembering this almost killed you. Danger, danger, danger. Stay away from it. It's a sick enough. Yeah. Uh, Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump is applauding developments on the Korean Peninsula. I want to express my hope that all of the people of Korea, North Korea and South, can someday live in harmony, prosperity, and peace. And it looks like it could happen. North and South Korea agreeing to formally end the Korean War. At the White House today, though, Trump was saying... Past U.S. presidents were played like a fiddle by North Korea. He said his administration doesn't play games. Mm, Michael, if you have any North Korean fiddle music in there, I'd enjoy hearing it. (laughs) Some from the hill country north of Pyongyang. Um, uh, If I was Trump, I'd lay off that talk. I would keep up the... You know, the the hints that I'm more than willing to attack you. I was just thinking the same thing. That's the pressure that caused this to happen. But the gloating that this is going to turn out great seems like a bad idea. Well, yeah, and the South Korean regime is really soft. I mean, maybe in a good way. They really want friendship. They really believe in reaching out the hand of friendship, et cetera, et cetera. Which, you know, the North famously will abuse the hell out of you and get what they need and laugh. Um, so it it is possible that the good cop, bad cop thing is going to work, but Trump's got to keep his wild eyes and his, I got a bigger button than you talk going, right, I think. Right. Unless, you know, like I was pitching to our expert earlier, unless Kim is just thinking, maybe at the behest of the Chinese, this whole hermit kingdom thing is too much. It's too much work. I'm 30 <laughs> years old. There's no way I can do this the rest of my life. Right. I want a more Chinese system. I'll still be the... the the uh, the king right. essentially. I'll right. I'll run the place. I'll be Richard Nell. You know that's a pretty good calculation right yeah. there. He might be thinking I'd I, make it. I'm not going to be able to do this for 50 more years. Right. No way. Yeah. And yeah, I, I wonder. And dictating gets harder yeah. and harder the more the information age blooms, even in the Hermit Kingdom, because you know I've heard reports that I believe from dissidents that they're getting more and more information, more and more Western. TV and, and right. movies and more and more evidence of how people live outside the Hermit Kingdom. So it could be the guy smart enough to think this scam. He's one of those people who has enough foresight to realize this scam has a date that it's going to go yeah, bad. sure. Right. And I see it coming. I wonder. And, and you know, when he went up to meet uh, with President uh, Xi, I imagine President Xi, who had just been installed as president for life, Said things like, you know, yeah. you could you could uh, probably work out a deal like this, and mm. you know, you libera- liberal uh, liberalized liberal, you open things up a little sure, bit more, yeah. and, and will assure you know your military security right. and and the strength of your regime. Right, that's what she said. <laughs> you wanted to get around to that, didn't you? <laughs> uh, very good, Joe. <laughs> 
<laughs> the push to repeal California's gas tax increase has more than 830,000 signatures Where now. do I sign? Good. That'd be about 250,000 more than needed to qualify the repeal initiative for the November ballot. You know, uh, we've had a lot of listeners kind of mad at us that we haven't really jumped on that bandwagon. You know, part of the problem is, you know, we're heard in quite a number of states uh, in the West, and we don't want to wear people out. Um, But at the same time, man, it's like you were talking about geopolitics. If you want to know how a progressive state goes crazy and screws itself, look at California. It's a great case study. The Senate. The Senate is currently working on a bill that would penalize travelers with fake service animals. Republican Senator Richard Burr working on legislation that would correlate the definition of a service animal under the Air Carriers Access well, Act. Well, currently you go to a website and print out a piece of paper right. and that's good enough. So they're going to make it stricter than that? Well, they're trying to uh, set up a definition that would and uh, legislation that would create a criminal penalty for people making misrepresentations about a service animal. That's not going to be easy I'm to do, though. I'm not sure you need that. It's not going to be easy to do. Claiming you have anxiety and you feel better when you have your dog is, I mean, who's going to tell you that's not true? Well, you're pointing out what critics are saying about the move. If they uh, tighten up requirements, uh, this would cause a backlash from mental health advocates who see emotional support animals as vital for some people who fly. Yeah, yeah, the problem is always the abuse. Just middle-aged ladies who want their purse dog well, with College them. girls who don't want to right. go anywhere without their dog. Right, neither do I. That's honestly. what well, I yeah, see a kind of lot of. of. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I am in favor of um, a, an organized protest in which we and like-minded people bring increasingly ridiculous animals on airplanes. I gotta bring Banjo the horse. Let's start. Well, well, hey, don't get ahead of me. It's gotta be increasingly bizarre. You gotta start with like a raccoon, then move on to an anteater, and then like a bear, and then eventually a full-grown quarter horse clopping its way up the aisle. Well, in the legislation, what they're trying to work out and define is what would be the standard of behavior for service animals who would be working on the plane. So they're really looking at, you know, can the can the guide dog guide the uh, blind person down the aisle? That kind of mm. thing. Well, you got to put them through an obstacle course. <laughs> <laughs> Set it up there in the terminal. Yes, right. we put some slippery stuff on the cement. <laughs> See if we can guide her through there. That's We're going to wave a cat in front of your dog, and if it snarls, we know it's not a service animal. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Here is a real service animal. <laughs> By God, that's the sound of freedom. Marshall, throughout your career, if your boss is telling a story, do you act interested whether the story is interesting or not? If your boss is telling you a story throughout your career. I faked it, but I'm not real good at it. I mean, I, you I've, faked it. Of yeah. course you have. Yeah. So yeah. has anybody that's yeah. had any success. Yeah. I've pretended to do things that they do that I have yeah. zero interest <laughs> right. in doing. Sure. But oh, only, yeah, we should do that. Yeah. But only 43% of people claim that they do that. I Wait guess, a minute, Sean. I, you don't actually like macrame? <laughs> Sean and I macrame no, every Saturday no, that's, afternoon. That's a joy. That's a delight. What, what about we get to have our time, Joe. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You're yeah. listening to Clips of the Week next. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. I'm telling you, I'm going to teach 
my kids, if your boss is telling you a story, you pretend to be interested. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Do you think that's bad? No. On one level, I think it's just being polite. Well, you know, you start there. Start there. It's just polite. Yeah, I mean... If he's just completely wearing you out, it's going to be hard. But, you know, it's it's your boss. It doesn't cost you much. What about truth and honesty? So what I'm seeing here is 43% of employees say that acting interested in their boss's dumb story is moderately important. Um, Oh, hey, hey, I'm sorry. So 60% don't. I guess that's a 60% that never rises up and can't figure out why. I'm not kissing anybody's ass. Okay. Um, Just breaking news, breaking news. Um, The Golden State... Rapist, killer, idiot, monster. Um, Soon to be dead, hopefully. Yeah, he he. Um, they say his uh, daughter is a doctor. Hmm. Um, and listen, I, we're going to hear from the kids and the wife at some point. Yeah, the doc. The if this is true, and I haven't read the uh, the article yet from the L.A. Times, but you know, there should be no. Terrible things visited upon the children. Of course not. My kids are not responsible for any of the crap I pull. Lord knows. No, it's only interesting if they're completely shocked and he showed no signs of that life. Right, right. Uh, Grumpy old man, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Anyway, what a a horror for that family as well. That family's experienced a terrible trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his sister, who still lives in Exeter, sobbed on the phone seeking peace for her, her family, saying she's in shock. I'm in disbelief. Difficult to think about. Um, her brother was, quote, the kindest, gentlest man with his children. I've prayed hard that some of this isn't true. Wow. Um, do you uh, did do are you going to share that one nugget you shared off the air? Because that's pretty interesting. Which one? This one. Uh, uh, Oh, oh, that, yeah, he described as having an unusually small penis. By a number by of the a victims. By a number of his victims, yeah. Which would have to be, I mean, it would have to be, like, extraordinarily noticeable in the midst of a horrifying crime to pick up on. You know, so it must be something like... I don't like to think about... The size of penises other men's penises? A lot, but that is, an actual, that is actually a very good point. Yeah, it would have to be like, oh my God, what's, what's going on here? Because yeah. you're, yeah. I mean, it's a horrifying situation. Yeah. Whoever thinks about that, you, yeah. So he must be practically like deformed or something, and maybe you know who who knows how much of that drove him. Yeah. That's weird. On the other hand, his neighbor and her husband nicknamed him Freak after hearing one too many expletives shouted across the street as he would be in his garage swearing like a lunatic. Yeah, there, there's a lot of old men swearing in the garage. Yeah, I'm one of them. Um, and uh, came across this maybe more uh, next week as this continues to be in the news. It's not a compulsion, according to a number of experts. It's absolutely not a compulsion. I've always thought, I've always heard that it was, this being a serial killer, serial rapist. It's not a compulsion, and that's how they're able to just stop at some point if their life changes. Mm. They just like it. I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Oh, man, we need to uh, take a quick, fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. I want to thank publicly President Xi of China. The the gun was kind of jammed up and it was pushed down, so we were scuffling. I managed to get him with one hand on the gun, and then I grabbed it from him, and I threw it over the countertop. 
Jeb, keep it short, and most of all, don't get weepy. You'll make trade war against China, trade war against Europe, war in Syria, war against Iran. Come on, it's not, it doesn't work. You need a lie. We are the ally. How many apps do you think there are? How many developers who did what you did? Tens of thousands. I can honestly say <laughs> we got the best weed in the United States. Prince had no idea he was taking a counterfeit pill that could kill him. I do feel like it's time for Congress to do its job. Great news for guys who say I love khakis. I just wish they fell apart faster. <laughs> Your daughter, I love her so much. <laughs> I would give myself an A+. So we heard the Waffle House guy in there, the guy who stopped yeah, the, the killer, hero, yeah. James Shaw. He started a good job there. Good job having his name. Yeah, know the hero, yeah. not the killer, not the he, scum. He started a GoFundMe page for the victims' families, and it so far raised one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. That's the kind of guy he is. Mm. There you go. Yeah, he's already said that uh, a lot of that's going to be used to pay for the the funerals of the four victims um, who who were killed in that incident. Yeah. And uh, yeah. He, I was really worried that this guy was going to get Ken Boned at some point, but not only has he not done that, but he seems to just be, he continues to prove that he is a good, good person. Ken Bone actually in the news today. Did you see that? Really? So, um, he... Red uh, sweater sale? (laughs) (laughs) How much time have I got, Michael? It's a bit of a little story. I can tell it real fast. He's a gun family. His kid, uh, they go to the range. He and his kid, his high school kid, go to the range together. With something happened at his school... He posted a picture of his son at the gun range with him and said, hey, if people got the kind of training my son does, then, you know, we wouldn't have these shooters or something like that. School has uh, kicked his kid out of school, oh, at least God. until they do an investigation what? as to what sort of crazy gun madness, because you got a high school kid with access to guns, and there he is shooting a gun. There used to be rifle so he's, so he's been suspended, yeah. at least briefly. Good Lord. And that's something. We're just a dumb society. Pretty dang dumb. Here's our host, Joe Getty. Now back to the soothing flute. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, uh, Michelangelo, what's your final thought? You know, sir? I'm fascinated by the uh, meeting of the North and South Korean presidents. I want to get all the video I can, but I'm wondering now, what is it going to be like when Donald Trump meets with this guy? Is there going to be uh, joking and wackiness, or what's going to happen? That's a good point. Marshall Phillips, your final thought? Well, I got to go home and deal with a dead squirrel in my garage. Found it in a bunch of blankets, stiff as a board yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Mount it. Put it on your mantle. I asked Jack, how do you deal with dead animals? So he gave me some tips. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you haven't dealt with dead animals prior to this? Not uh, dead squirrels. City living. Yeah, I guess. Positive Sean, your final thought? Yeah, I need everybody to go out and see Avengers Infinity War and then come over to my house on Sunday and we can talk about it. (laughs) Gary, then uh, Jack, what's your final thought? Following up on Michael's point, so uh, Kim made a joke to the leader of uh, South Korea today about how, well, I guess I won't be waking you up in the morning anymore, huh? Because he's not going to be testing nuclear bombs. (laughs) So if he's willing to make uncomfortable Uh, jokes like that, and Trump's willing to make uncomfortable jokes, it could get pretty weird (laughs) between little fathead and Trump when they get face-to-face. The world's funniest nuclear standoff. Exactly. (laughs) My final thought is I'm going to spend the uh, weekend visiting my son and going to a rock and roll show. So I'm really looking forward to that. I will hopefully bring you tales of something or other on Monday. Mm. Tweet about it. 
or something. Will do. Take pictures or selfies. And going to see the Fratellis. If you don't know their music, dig it, Google it, I search it, something, and turn it up loud. Mm. This is the Fratellis uh, right here. Turn it up, Michael. Dig it. Huh? Hear that? This is their big hit, Flaccid Flute. (laughs) Hear that backbeat, huh? Yeah, you can't you can't help but tap your foot to that. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people will thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com, click around, uh, find your way, and uh, drop us an email if you want. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If there's something you see over the weekend we ought to be talking about, let us know. Y'all are great at that. Yeah, what a week. I'm telling you. Didn't we start the week with talking about what a slow news week it was? Yep, sure did. Then you catch one of the... Uh, Longest search for serial killers and little fathead walks into South Korea. I'll be damned. Yeah. Who knows what will happen next week? We'll see you then. God bless America. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from not planning, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Now the time has come. To go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.